Today's gospel is from Matthew chapter 11, just after the parable of the two sons that we had last week. The one son who said, yes, Father, I'll go work in the vineyard, but then he never moved his feet. And the other son who said, absolutely not, but then he went and worked in the vineyard. Now we have another parable that instructs us about those who, war warns us about those who miss out on the kingdom of God. Jesus says, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? The Pharisees replied, He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied, and he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. The Gospel of the Lord. Dear friends in Christ, it had to be, um, there was one of these epic Sunday school moments, and I think it was a year or two ago when we weren't here at Living Savior and our kids were in Sunday school and they were learning a hymn to sing for the hymn of the day. At least one of the stanzas was going to be sung by the kids. And so you get all these cute, you know, you get all those cute, adorable little faces singing their hearts out in praise to God. And you know the hymn stanza that was chosen for the kids to sing as part of the hymn of the day for that worship service? It was stanza three of the hymn we just sang. <laughs> and I remember later that day, we were on a playground and like Elsie and Gabrielle are on these swings and I, st I can still remember w laughing out loud. It's a public park, you know, and here's my daughter swinging on a swing and she's singing stanza three, these words. Cure your children's warring madness. <laughs> Bend our pride to your control. Push me harder, right? Shame our wanton selfish gladness. <laughs> is that just epic? That's what Sunday school is all about. Give them that good old hymn stanza. <laughs> Rich in things and poor in soul. Uh, I, I don't know if you still remember that one, Elsie. Do you know that hymn? Do you still remember that? <laughs> she says yes. 
That's good. Oh, that's one of the things about growing up into God, growing up into our faith and into his words, is we, we learn more and more what that warring madness really is like, how much that pride needs to be bent. Um, that perverted pride inside of us has to be bent out of, out of its shape to conform to the word of God. How often our own hearts are rich in things and yet poor in soul. And it's that reason that as throughout church history, the churches have come back to get into the parables of Jesus, even with these big warnings that are held in front of our eyes where Jesus is looking at you and he says, I tell you the truth, the kingdom could be taken from out of your hands and given to a people who are going to produce its fruit. Growing up, you do this naturally, and I think beyond just your growing years, where we naturally reflect on our lives and the purposes and priorities. We've talked about that a little bit as our growing up thing. And I think you also, as you get older, you're like, you know, did I accomplish what I really thought I would accomplish with 60, 70 years of of life in this world? Did I really get where I thought I was going to go? Did I do what I, I always dreamed about doing? And maybe you have a little bucket list left over and things like that. And it's in a believer's heart to want to grow up in dreaming with God. And it's in a believer's heart to want to keep striving and seeking. If anything's out of place, if any priority is out of whack, I want to put my money where my confession of faith is. I want to put my, my time and my energy into the things that are at my core of my real values, and they're not just at my core. I know that they're at God's core, and there's like a match. When is the day, a day like today, this ordinary, typical day, when is it going to be met with the truth of the last day? The reality that Jesus is coming again and that makes a difference in what I do today. And how come that like fades out of the picture? And today is just the ordinary day. It's just a new month. It's October. It's the 4th. It's just something and it doesn't have that energy, can I call it? That, that energy of the last day involved in it. What happens to my story that I'm living? And that, I think, is a, is a critical way I encourage you to think. When we story our lives, when we think about purpose and place and what it's all about, we're talking about, talking about a story. And as a new pastor and with COVID, I still have many stories to learn in this congregation. And I wonder, what would you put out there as the details? As, Tell me about yourself. And then you fill in the blank. Tell me about yourself. What do you say? The school, the work, the family, the things, the hobbies, the interests. You kind of cover that stuff and we have that covered, right? Is that really you? Is it, is it really the biggest things? Because there's a whole lot of idols on that hand. Potential idols, right? It's not really all about that, is it? And it's something of the word, this is what the fruit of the word of God does. Is it, from the beginning of our growing up series we talked about, it's setting a new path a new direction and a new course in life. And last week we talked about our service 
is, is that God works in our hearts, his attitude to get underneath all of his words. And, and today, God wants to make sure that we are, are firmly pressed into the reality of a life that's lived for him and the fruits that his word would bear in our lives. That that would be what's meaningful to you. That that would be when you, if you want to know who I am, read the Bible. You want to know who I am, here's my story. This is my confession of faith. God made me. God saved me. God gave me faith, calls me his own. And there's something so thick and rich about that, I can't get it out of my head. And I strive toward what is ahead, right? Forgetting what is behind, all the stuff I'm going to leave behind. I'm straining toward my heavenly goal. This is who I am, Pastor. This is who I am. I'm God's child, and I'm going to heaven. And this is where, this is where a parable like this kind of steps in. I think to set the stage well, I want you to recognize one simple truth, that if we're going to talk about our identity and how the word of God kind of catches every pore and every fiber of our being and claims it for God, so this parable is going to give you all of God. So there can be a match between who you are and your goal. There'd be a match between that and who God is and his goal. It's going to come out. God is going to give his best in this parable. It's a wonderful thing. In fact, it's the starting point, isn't it? The parable of the vineyard. Imagine this, because this is maybe a good way to, to get started. Imagine that God is on the other side of that wall. Right there. And that when it was still dark today and the church was empty, God had come in and he had set the stage for your day. He had oriented the prop, so to speak. He had placed everything just so. And he knew that when your day began, you wouldn't see him, but he's got like one of those walls where he can see you and you can't see the other way. And he would be on the other side of that wall and he'd just be so anxious to see what you did with the day that he had set up for you. God has made us what? A new creation. Created, created in Christ Jesus. What is that? That you're something new in Christ Jesus. The, the words forgiven and the word peace with God and, the, and the, the strength of his promises and the hope of eternal life. Like it, it completely makes you a new creature. That created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. God who has set the stage for your life, whom you get to love, whom you get to be around, who you'd get to serve, all of these ways you could pour out everything God has meant to you into your day. And there he is on the other side of that wall. He's created, he's seen how, he's seen how the word has worked on your heart to give you faith to, to give you rest, you weary and burdened, rest for your souls, and now you get to enjoy it and live it and long for and aspire to and praise and glory be to Jesus. He sees this on the other side. It's the whole stage is set. And so it was in Jesus' parable. There's an owner who planted the vineyard. He took this empty stage, completely barren land, and he said, I'm putting, I want fruits here. I'm putting a vineyard here. And he dreamed for it. 
and he set it all up with everything it needed. Everything you need for a godly life is in Christ, we're told in scripture, right? You have everything that you need for godliness, for bearing the fruits of God's word in your life. And the, the landowner, he, he did what? He put a wall around it and he dug a wine press in it and he built a watchtower to protect it. And then he rented the vineyard. He's not going to leave the vineyard to just take care of itself and come back and assume that there'd be no weeds and all the rocks would be taken. No, he rented it out to some farmers to take care of it. Boy, he, he set the stage. And then what did the owner do? He went behind the wall. He went outside. He went to a different country. Did he, did he not care? Of course he did. He completely invested everything in this vineyard. He set the stage for it to bear abundant fruit, good seed, good soil, that Midwest black earth, maybe not just Midwest, but you know, the watchtower, the farmers, everything is all set up and he's, and there he is, ready to see this outflowing of the fruit of everything that he has done. It's an amazing commentary on a God, this is how I'd like to teach the catechism. We teach the catechism, we start with the creed. I believe in God the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and I believe in Jesus Christ. It's, and it is just gift after gift after look at this landowner who just is everything. And the fruits is just the, this is everything that he has built this for. It's just so natural that it would bear fruit. And the owner sends his servants to check in on the vineyard at harvest time, not early, not premature, at just the right time, the servants come knocking for the, for the owner's share in the harvest. And this is where it gets all out of control. And this is where you wonder, did God's word fall on deaf ears, stubborn ears, dead hearts, completely desensitized to what he means in your life? This is how the Pharisees and many, many, unfortunately, had been treating the word of God. And the servants came and they beat one, they killed another, and they stoned a third. When the prophets of God came knocking on Jerusalem's door or serving in other cities, so often they were met with people who didn't need the landowner, who didn't need his messengers wanted to keep a life for themselves. And what did he do? Parables are really enjoyable, especially because they take twists and turns you don't expect. They're not like true to life all the way through. They get a little crazy. That's because they make spiritual points of things that no sane person, no business person would do this. If you were this landowner, you just lost out on the fruits of your harvest and you have two dead servants and one injured. Like, are you going to send more in that direction? Are you going to invest further in this company? Are you going to buy more stock? Because this is sure going swell. I got my harvest. Wait, I didn't even get my harvest. My servants, I lost two out of three already. Are you going to send? Now it starts to get a little wonky. The landowner sends more. More servants than he did the first time, Jesus said. And then they do the same thing to the more that they did to the three. And it gets 
into loony land as the owner does a third thing and we hear his words. And when you hear in parables, the speakers speak and the thoughts that come out of their head, we're invited into the heart of God, that God who sits on the other side of the wall and dreams for your fruitfulness. He's fixed on your fruits. He wants all parts of his word to have an impact and to change your life, that you wouldn't go to hell, but be on a different direction. He aims for that to bear fruit in your life, and what does he do? He says, I'm going to up this, not down it. I'm not gonna send a stranger. Ah, I'm giving up. I'll send a stranger, last ditch effort. No, I'll send my best. Did you hear that? I'll send my son. And in his words, he says, they will respect my son. And right next to his words, you get the words of the tenants. Inside their hearts, they're talking to each other, and they say, this is the heir. Let's kill him and take his inheritance. Side by side, we have the absolute patience of God. Wouldn't you call that patience? That would be out of this world, Looneyville, left field kind of patience that he has shown those tenants. And a ridiculously wicked and cruel response, side by side. I can't believe you could hear and have such things from the owner and still say that to his son and about his son. And you took him outside and killed him. Don't get it wrong. The deep things of God have just come out. Jesus is telling a parable that's a prophecy and he's completely willing to continue to carry it out and in three days, three days, die on the cross and on the third day after that, rise again. He still will. He still will go to that vineyard and knock on its door. It is the patience of God that you have to redefine Patience is a word that gets much abuse in sinful hearts. You think of God's patience right now, giving you five more minutes to look at your loved ones, five more minutes to breathe, five more minutes to be in this world. The patience of God, and what does sinful natures do with it? What do we do in our hearts? We think, five more minutes for me to do what I did the last five minutes. Five more minutes for me to do what I did yesterday. Five more minutes to live my life and do my thing and get what I want and, and have my pleasures, eat my, have my cake and eat it too, right? You have, a sinful nature loves to play with the idea of patience as being, boy, this is a long leash. You're really letting me go, owner. I'm just free to roam. You're, and it just kind of keeps letting longer. When are you going to rein me in? It's this permission. You're just way too permissive with me, letting me do what I want to do with this time in this world. Do not mistake God's patience. You have to redefine it. What's really in the owner's heart on the other side of that wall? This is how badly I want you, that I'm giving you another sermon to hear today. This isn't about your love for me. It's about how how much I love you that I set you in a place where you got to hear the gospel. But don't make mistake about it, Christian friends. If this sermon gets played on deaf ears, you hear the final word just as the Pharisees did. 
I will take this kingdom out of your hands and I'll give it to a people who care. That's what God says. It's a warning that his words would not fall in vain, that we would be on our knees. That's where the Old Testament Israelites and every generation after that should always have been. Jesus, you notice what he did after the parable? First he says to them, what does the owner supposed to do with such tenants? And they come up with, the Pharisees' own mouths say, he will give those wretches, like they totally throw those tenants under the bus, don't they? They call them wretches. Like that's like the worst thing you could say. They are the worst sinners. He'll take those wretches and he'll give them a wretched end. And not only that, but he'll take that vineyard and he'll hand it over to others who will give him his share of the crop. They even go beyond Jesus' question. They talk about what the vineyard owner should do. Give it to somebody else. Give them a wretched end, but give it to somebody else. And then Jesus says, haven't you read in the scriptures, you Old Testament listeners, hearers of the prophets and teachers of the scriptures, haven't you read what it says? The stone, listen to this, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. What does that phrase mean? Builders of the house of the Lord. The builders took a stone and rejected it and nevertheless it was meant to be the most prized one, the cornerstone. The stone the builders rejected. It was a warning. Psalm 118 is where it is. In Psalm 118, God was warning his people that there would be a stone the builders, the insiders, the people who were the yes lords but didn't actually go work in the vineyard. They would reject the stone that should have the most meaning and value to them. The cornerstone, the one on whom the entire building depended on that stone. They rejected that stone. The builders rejected that stone. It's a warning verse. You would, if you were reading your Bibles and you were paying attention to the verses that really stood out as this is getting serious, this is a verse you should have highlighted, Pharisees. It had, should have had your star, the stone the builders rejected. We have to be careful we don't reject the stone. Jesus is saying to them, guess what? The kingdom you so proudly claim to have by your own righteousness and your own service to God and your own this and your own that is a big pile of rejecting the wrong stone. You are not paying attention to the warning. And if I'm honest with myself, and if you're honest with yourself and our own self-reflection, is my day paying attention to the warning? Is my time spent with a prayer that says, cure your children's warring madness. Bend our pride to your control. Shame our wanton, selfish gladness, rich in things, and poor in soul. Give us wisdom. Give us courage, lest we miss your kingdom's goal.
grow up into him. <laughs> in this parable, we have the richest setup. Because in our God, we have nothing but gifts and a rich setup to enjoy. My dear brothers and sisters, take this word to heart. That's its fruit. Let this scripture be in your side pocket, on your head, and on your heart. Like all the words of God, fill your, fill your soul with them as you leave what belongs in the dust. If you leave the things that are behind and you strain toward what is your head and you dream with God and you have your citizenship in heaven and you plant your feet in the solid soil and in the vineyard work of all that he has done for you and you toil with a song in your heart and you stay in the vineyard you can't wait you can't wait to see the owner again as he said hey tenant and you're like hey owner and he's like look at those fruits and you're like i know you did the watchtower and the wall press and the wine press and the walls and the the good dirt and the good seed this is just it's all yours thanks be to god you give us the victory through our lord jesus christ thank you for giving me those ways that i got to serve you because you kept pouring your prophet's message into my ears you filled my heart with gladness and all of this fruit just came pouring out in my my life keep doing it lord we know you tell this parable because you change stone to flesh because you change dead and you make alive thanks be to god and may he grant that we grow up into christ fixed on fruitfulness of his word with him amen